0: Welcome to Young and Finch, the podcast created by Korean Millennials. all right guys welcome back to the young and finch podcast my name is josh and today we are very excited to have a special guest on the show he's a fellow podcaster or podcaster on hiatus more on that later uh, Who hosts a show about the local food and restaurant scene here in toronto highlighting and having conversations with chefs restaurateurs and sommeliers called the gastronomy club he's also been a friend of the pod since very early on and uh we're excited to finally have you on matthew boo welcome to the show
1: thanks man that's uh It's good to be back on the mic again. Um, Hopefully, my voice isn't too rusty. But uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm 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 leaving it up to you for post to fine tune uh, the, eat levels and the EQ and whatnot. But uh, no, excited (laughs) to be on and excited to uh, chat and excited to uh, yeah, just talk um, life and food and whatnot.
0: Let's go. All right, so I guess for any of you know uh, our new listeners that aren't aware of what you do over at the Gastronomy Club, or any new listeners, could you give mm-hmm. a little bit of background, a little bit of context, you know, um, about who you are and what you're all about? Sure.
1: Yeah. So uh, I guess I'll give some context on the podcast and how. Um, why or why I even started that podcast in general and so uh, you kind of give a good summary but yeah it's kind of just diving into the life and the craft of restaurant owners in Toronto and um, chefs and people involved in the food industry uh, directly or indirectly Mm -hmm. and it was more for me as a way to kind of explore the people that uh, comprise the Toronto food scene. I think when you watch shows on like food network or food related shows on Netflix, like one of my favorite shows that I watched was chef's table. And it was actually kind of like an indirect inspiration uh, for the podcast. You know, they're interviewing these chefs all around the world. And a lot of them, you know, they're from big metropolises, Bangkok, Mm -hmm. Chicago, Toronto, um, not Toronto, New York, LA, um, Tokyo. And uh, it's really cool learning about these people and, and, you know, traditional food, network television as well i feel like unless it's food network canada usually covers like (laughs) um like your classic places like new york la and then maybe some places in the south for like southern food and and ribs and whatnot but um you know i didn't really know um you know what made um or what made toronto special um not not with the food because i know there's great variety but in terms of just the people and the personalities that make it right um and i think there are some really interesting personalities and there are some really interesting stories and it's something that I wanted to explore and something that I've kind of, um, uh, loved since childhood, not just food, but just, um, talking and interacting with people. And I feel like, um, I had like a vested interest in, in the food space, just given my parents are restaurant owners, that's the environment and the background I grew up in as well. Um, so first job of course was, was being a waiter at the restaurant. And so, yeah, um, yeah, I wanted to just meet people, uh, get to know them, and see how life inspired them to go down the crazy path of opening a restaurant or becoming a chef because it's definitely a, a passion or and a calling rather than something of, uh, you know, oh, I'm going down this route to make money, kind of.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely not the most, you know, stable business venture. But yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. So I guess just to, clarify you don't have like a formal background in in food or or food training like you just grew up in in that kind of environment and that was like instilled in you but you don't work you don't work with food on like a like a regular day-to-day or anything like that right
1: no no it's funny because um actually I have a day job <laughs> and my day job is actually, it's kind of related to food. Now it was not before, but um, you know, all my zoom calls that I have, I've have a, a, like a library on, on the main floor of my parents' house. And there's a bunch of cookbooks yeah. behind me and everyone's always asking like, Oh, like, what are all the books that are behind you? Yeah. It, it looks so fancy. <laughs> um, I'm like, Oh, they're like, they're all cookbooks. And you can tell I haven't read any of them based off of my cooking. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually an awful cook. Um, <laughs> mostly because my mom doesn't trust me in the kitchen. Um, but uh no like yeah i I grew up in that environment um went on like a some some cool food trips Mm -hmm. with my parents and uh personal i would say like semi food trips as well um so i'm looking at it kind of like as a fan Mm -hmm. and as someone who's like grown been in that space a little bit indirectly yeah um and so yeah no formal training in anything culinary or gastronomy related. Yeah. Um, Just like reading and hearing about, uh, you know, the origin of dishes and um, how certain things come about. And and that's always been something that's fascinating for me.
0: Nice. Yeah. I mean, as a fellow, you know, I refer to myself as more of like an amateur foodie, you know, I I don't think Mm -hmm. I'm at the, the same echelons as some of these food, Instagrammers that you know we were even connected with on the podcast uh instagram but um yeah i definitely share that same sentiment and you know i love food i love eating um and actually yeah that that was one of the huge things the first things that actually drew me to uh your podcast initially because i I was having the same thoughts you know i think everyone knows the big uh you know the big restaurateurs and the big you know chefs in toronto like you know maddie matheson grant van gameren rob john teal like everyone kind of knows them but like the smaller restaurants, the wine bars, like who started that? You know, who's behind this? I I, right. I loved how your podcast was dedicated towards like you know, like mom and pop shops, you know, the high end restaurants in Yorkville and everything in between. Like, you know, that you kinda casted a wider net, which I, I thought was was really great. So um Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think especially too like just given that the time and age we're living in our relationship mm-hmm. with like the people that make our food is kind of more, it, it, there's more mileage to it. And there's more kilometers of distance. Yeah. Um, even when we look at our social media, like we are not really, when we are following food posts, it's not really a post about the people that are making the food. It's really just the food, right? Like, yeah. Oh, like this is a photo of uh pad Thai from pie or, you know, X from Y. Um, mm-hmm. And so, for me, it was also just about deepening that relationship between consumer and, like, producer as well and and right. kind of creating that bridge.
0: Well, one thing I thought you did a fantastic job was, like, you really sort of built up a story and sort of, like, an image with your episodes that you always kind of, like, provided enough context and, and you know, you dove and asked, like, really interesting questions that really allowed the listener to, you know, people might be familiar with some of these restaurants like Oyster Boy, but... You know, you really mm-hmm. gave the listeners and people uh, a chance to kind of get to know, you know, how Oyster Boy came to be, which I th- I think is like a really good opportunity and like a really cool story to know, right?
1: No, definitely. And and definitely, you know, a lot of these people are characters, right? And I think <laughs> they have really fa- fascinating stories. Like I think um, the Oyster Boy episode was really good. Yeah. Um, because uh, you know, we just went on random tangents about how oysters are like aphrodisiacs, <laughs> and, you know, what it's like to participate in like an oyster shucking competition. And so, Yeah. um, yeah, these are like fascinating stories and life, you know, events that I would never go through. And so at least now I had a little bit of exposure to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I respect the craft and, uh, definitely was, was a fascinating conversation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So back, you know, backpedaling a little bit, what was the development like of the actual podcast? You know, I think that's one of the things I'm most curious about because yeah, mm-hmm. as, a, as a fellow podcaster, I think um, we I think we started around similar times, sometime like in 2020-ish. Um, and uh, as most people know, that's when everyone and anybody started a podcast as well. So For sure. um, I think everyone kind of had a bit of different approach. But like, what was like your thought process in terms of, building this up and actually starting it.
1: Yeah. So actually like the root, uh, like the seed of the podcast came to me like a couple months before like COVID even started. Mm-hmm. And I remember I like, I, I'd been to watch like a bunch of episodes from chef's table and I had been to like some of the restaurants on the show as well. And mm-hmm. um, it, it just kind of came to me. I was like, you know, why what's this where is there a spotlight of people in toronto yeah and I, I think it was like in the middle or like early winter i i was i was having lunch with some co-workers mm-hmm. um in the path <laughs> we were just <laughs> talking we we're just
0: the gastronomy hub of toronto eh?
1: exactly the path <laughs> um back back when people still perused the path yeah um but uh yeah i remember i was i was pitching it to them I'm like what do you guys think about this idea where mm-hmm. you know i i interview like restaurant owners and and people like that and everyone was like really um excited about it yeah and i'd actually kind of saved the name the astronomy club for a really long time because uh back when i was a student at western university yeah i had a little club with two of my friends called the astronomy club where Mm. we'd go try some of the different eats around uh london ontario right so like not not many options
0: yeah as a
1: a broke as a broke university student like some you know once in a while you want to splurge and try something different Mm -hmm. and so we would go to like um like one of my favorite fuss spots is out in london we had like really good indian food yeah um and so i had that i had that username saved because i would post photos from our like little mini excursions yeah on on that instagram account and i was like why don't i just use this name um i got my friend's permissions to kind of rework it and then um once once covid happened you know definitely had a lot more time and mm-hmm. so um i thought not only would this be you know not only do i have more ample time to kind of start this i'm sure like rush owners have like way more time to have a conversation and Mm -hmm. you know uh, beginning of covid you know there's a lot of conversation about supporting small businesses as well and so i thought you know kind of hit all three angles in terms of now this is also an opportunity for people to get to know some of the best restaurants in the area and like maybe they can support them and so worked with my sister on the branding because she's very into digital branding and, and digital art and whatnot and uh kind of just started cold emailing a bunch of restaurants mm-hmm. and that's really how it started and then first episode i had to record twice because it, it completely messed up the first time and then oh no it was kind of embarrassing i was like oh my gosh like i, I hate to have to ask for another hour but uh i, I need to re-record it um <laughs> uh, but yeah no it was, it was an amazing kind of beginning process and like uh yeah it was, it was a great great uh It was a lot of fun in the beginning for sure
0: what was the um what was the response rate like for the cold calling because i definitely understand that even now you know i'm shooting uh dms to to random (laughs) random people even with even with you and and some of our other guests you know for sure um it it can be a little bit unnerving and you're kind of like ah like i don't want to bother them but uh how how was that what was the response rate like for for the first couple i guess yeah
1: i kind of felt like Oprah, a little bit, you know. It's like everybody, you get a car, you get a car. But now, like, you get an invite, you get an invite, you get an invite, and it's kind of like you gotta, you gotta have a balance because you don't want to send out too many emails and then get an overload of confirmations, and then you have like scheduling right. issues, right? And so, yeah, response rate, I'd say, it was about like twenty percent, twenty five percent, which I don't think is that bad. That's pretty good. um but like I remember, like going through dry spells, like you just send out a bunch of invites and like, or like emails, cold emails, and then you yeah. get nothing, and then uh, you get that one, and like you're like so excited, and then I, I remember I recorded this one episode, like I was so excited to talk with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a restaurant owner who owned an Ethiopian restaurant in Toronto. I never released the episode because oh, okay. when we scheduled the time and we hop on the Zoom call, she's out getting her hair cut. And she's like talking to me oh. while she's getting her hair cut. And then in the middle of her haircut, she's like, I don't know, there's some protest or some parade going by. And she's like, Oh, I gotta, she's like, I gotta leave because I'm joining this protest. And I was like, What, <laughs> what is going on? Like, we <laughs> talked for like 25 minutes. And uh, half the time, I can barely hear you because, you know, there's a yeah. buzzer right next to your hair. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, in terms of response, like, definitely. Um, uh it can get encouraging and discouraging at times but i think with any it, it helped me kind of learn about just like the outreach process and it yeah. honestly reminded me of <laughs> recruiting during school yeah. again which was like a bit traumatic but all good <laughs> uh because you know now it's like there's no real consequences um but um yeah yeah it was uh in terms of outreach no, it was a good time and um I'm grateful for those who did confirm and did respond.
0: Yeah. And you have some like really like even for someone who I guess hasn't had the opportunity to venture out too much in Toronto. Like there's a lot of you interviewed a lot of, um, you know, chefs and owners from like restaurants that even I was like, wow, like, did you have like a list of like, these are my favorite restaurants and these are the people that I would love to have on? Or was it just like Google Maps, five kilometer range? Like, let's just go. (sighs) So
1: I actually do have like a Google Map saved on my phone of like restaurants and bars in Toronto, and I think there's about like eight hundred. Let's go <laughs> uh, pins on my. You're gonna have to maps. send me that list later. I will. I will for sure. Um, but it was a mix. It was a mix of places that I had been to, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I had loved not only the food and the presentation, but the environment and the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, because I think those things are also extensions of the restaurant owner and, of course. Yeah. you know what they want to create as a hospitable environment mm-hmm. um so i think there was that and, you know you have like um people like um or places like sakai bar where that was um kind of a big element to it or brothers yeah um, was another big element to it and then there were places that i had always known of and had been to a lot of times. It wasn't necessarily known for like their environment, but they were like kind of like staples. Yeah. This is mostly because they were like, either they knew my parents or, um, they had been in Toronto for a while. And so, um, I was like, you know, these are kind of like the veterans of the Toronto food scene. You Mm -hmm. know what? Who better to reach out to than some of these people Yeah, that would kind of be like Alita Solomon for Tutti Mati Mm -hmm. or, um, uh Jeanette and Joanna Liu from Yutung, which is like a great Hukka um Chinese restaurant yeah. at Elizabeth and Dundas. And then I'd say the last kind of cohort were like the restaurants that candidly like I'd never been to. Yeah. But like people that through my research and whatnot I thought I had like really cool stories. Mm-hmm. Um and I think like uh one of them would be like Victor Iguake from Afrobeat Kitchen. Um just being a Nigerian immigrant to t- Toronto, yeah, um, complete like 180 in weather and like temperature, but crafting and creating his own restaurant uh, from scratch, you know, and, and I had never eaten his food, but I thought he had a really cool story and, um, wanted to kind of converse with him and see what, uh, you know, what kind of epi- um, uh, episode, what kind of stories he had to share
0: what was like the toughest part i guess sort of uh leading into where things are at right now with the podcast but i guess during your tenure uh while you while still going like what was some of the toughest moments that you ran into whether it was like related to the podcast or mm. you know related to maybe like a, a a guest or you know like um running into mental walls or or anything like that
1: honestly respect to all the podcasters out there who do this on a consistent basis. Yeah. I I think you go into it, you're like, oh, it's so easy. You just, report <laughs> and just upload it to like anchor or whatever. And like, it goes out to the world and then like,
0: yeah, yes,
1: yeah, that's kind of true. Like if you don't really care about the product or the outcome and like, I feel like contrary to my uh, performance at work, I am a perfectionist with some of these things. <laughs> um, and You know when you hear like when you hear yourself say like uh, you are like oh my god I gotta edit that out. Um, Part part of it was definitely the perfectionist nature Mm -hmm. in myself, Um, and editing is such a beast. It's like you have like a fifty minute or an hour episode and you just whittle it down to forty minutes, forty five minutes, because you're like an hour is too long and you gotta cut parts out that are kind of mundane and you gotta take out all the. Uh, weird audio uh, blips and whatnot. And so that I think was a big detriment to myself, like in terms of like, and I did try to loosen up a bit more Mm -hmm. later episodes and just be, and make it easier for myself. Yeah. Um, And I think another part of it too is uh, just like with all like, like social media related things, Mm -hmm. that consistent output. Yeah. And I feel like that was some, one of the biggest things I had trouble with was, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a huge, Uploading and posting on Instagram, person like I, I don't really want to have to like take time to like think of a caption mm-hmm. or like curate like make a photo look pretty.
0: Right,
1: I, I'm just there for the memes. You know, <laughs> I just want to like, get the memes, get my intake, my guy. And I actually I actually worked with like two people while I was running the podcast to like produce like um, social media posts okay. and come up with social media content. Yeah, and that was really helpful, actually. Um, but I think definitely, like, they had no vested interest in, like, not not that it was their fault, but there wasn't really any vested interest for them to, like, come up, be the one that, to come up with the ideas. Right. Um, and so I think it, it was more just, like, me, like, saying, hey, can you do this, can you do that? Which is completely fair and completely mm-hmm. fine. But, like, for me, it's, like, taxing to, like, come up with the, all the ideas as well. And so it just got very tiring for me. Um, but I think, like, yeah, like, not even just like podcasters but respect to all the social media influencers out there like
0: for real that's a
1: ton of work man like i after even after like the first month of doing the podcast i was like wow yeah i'm i i, I clearly i'm not cut out to be a social media influencer like it might be easier quote unquote than like you know a day job but like to have to like constantly think about captions is mentally draining
0: <laughs> <laughs> So it's, yeah, it's definitely for a certain type of people, but I'm definitely along the same wavelength as you, um, in our first couple of seasons, obviously it helped that our team was a team of three. So we were able to split the work, split the editing, um, and like, you know, three brains is, you know, (laughs) sort of three brains, (laughs) there's a lot more ideas going around and a lot more perspectives, which definitely helps. But, uh, I, I definitely sympathize with that now that it is a team of one. So, I guess, where are things at right now with the podcast um, as it stands?
1: Yeah, so I'd say it's kind of like a band on hiatus, you know? There's no real announcement of things ending, mm-hmm. and you just don't hear anything. It's kind of like Frank Ocean. <laughs> radio silence. I like silence. to leave in the Frank Ocean, yeah, radio silence <laughs> stage. Um, no news whatsoever. I'm just going to open up a jewelry company yeah. <laughs> Um No, I don't know, no, but in all seriousness, I think... Uh, yeah, like and around October, like things just got very busy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, had some family stuff to take care of, some personal stuff that happened. And then as well, uh was kind of preparing for a big job switch yeah. um, from the finance industry to the technology slash food technology industry. Okay, um, And so it, it just became very time consuming with not only that, but also – starting uh, a small company as well with my friends as well. And, and yeah, I think, you know, um, I never said goodbye to anything. And so I think that makes it, uh, feel, feel good. It kind of wants, this, this is like that, um, Dr. Seuss quote or some quote where it's like, don't say, uh, farewell, it's goodbye or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm butchering it. I'm
0: completely butchering it. I feel like uh, that was from like a rom com or something. It's like it's not goodbye. It's it's like see you soon or see you later or something like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And that's that's where I'm at with it right now. And to be honest, have I done anything with it recently? (laughs) No. Yeah. Um, But uh, no, I mean it's a chapter of kind of life that um, I'm proud of, and uh, I look back on the episodes and that process fondly, and like. Who knows um even though I'm not engaging on it mm-hmm. on a formal basis in terms of a podcast, meeting and talking with like these people are is still a passion of mine and yeah it's it's uh something I still keep want to keep doing outside of just uh having to hit record and, and upload it,
0: yeah for sure no, and I, I think that's that's the that was like the point of it, right, just to build that connection further with the food scene and the people behind the the restaurants uh in the city which um yeah you know it's a shame because i would have i would have loved to hear more stories and and uh you know learn more about the background behind some of the restaurants and um even um you know with uh, young and finch we're connected with like a lot of like coffee shop people in the Mm -hmm. coffee industry right and like um as like, a, as like a Korean-Canadian, uh, you know, there's a lot of Koreans in the coffee industry in Toronto. And so like... For sure, yeah. That's something that I was... Again, like, you know, I would love to hear more about that as well, as well as like alcohol and drinks, um, you know, cocktail bars, things like that. But... Uh,
1: yeah, I think if I had more time, like it would have been really cool to interview like the people that created Moon Soju. Like, yeah. I think that would have been really like a really interesting story. Yeah. There's a great sake company in that is still village called the Ontario spring socket company. Yeah. You know, like I think that would have been cool. Like there's so many like very unique stories because Toronto is a really great melting spot for all of these Definitely. different cultures and identities. Um, and everyone uh, for the most part is an immigrant. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you really get like stories that cross geographies and cross boundaries and, and sometimes like generations as well, which is, it's like uh, you know, modern day Pachinko in a way.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I think that's, to this day, I think that's the the biggest asset that the city provides, right? The diversity. Um, and yeah, like you can walk down Dundas West and there's like 15, 20 different types of restaurants left and right. And not that many For places sure. have, that, have that, you know, variety and that sort of range. Right. So um, I think we're definitely privileged to have that, you know, right in front of our doorstep.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think like, you know i hope out of like that whole the whole gastronomy club mm-hmm. um process and podcast was like my hope was just like people just not just eat out and like go to you know a restaurant and eat the food but like you know get to know these people and yeah. get to know the people that make your food and like um yeah like i think it's just uh it, it's it It'll it make it, it makes it taste better.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> it definitely. everything, you know? Yeah. Was there any, I forget what you call it, like a, like a silver whale? Was there like a, was there a guess that you were like, I would love to have this person on, but somehow maybe scheduling or it just didn't work out. And, mm. but like, this would have like, you would have been like absolutely floored if this person was able to, to get on for an episode.
1: Oh man thankfully like some of those silver whales like there were there were a couple of people that told me like oh i don't want to be like your first or second guest but yeah. if you get up to like episode like 10 or whatever like i'm willing to be on okay like um a big one for me was like Lawrence la Pianta who owns cherry street barbecue oh yeah yeah um in the portlands um he was one of the guys that said that to me and like once i got to like episode 10 or whatever like i reached out to him I was like yo like i know we chatted a couple months ago like, yeah Let's let's talk barbecue, because um, he he's like such an accomplished pit master. Yeah, has s- like circuited around like southern U.S., um, Carolinas, Texas, mm-hmm. Tennessee, like hitting up all the spots. that so you kind of have to hit up as like a barbecue aficionado. Yeah, like, for sure. I'm not a barbecue aficionado. Like I don't really you know, it tastes good. I like it, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was a really interesting process. And even just doing the research for it as well was super enlightening. Yeah. I, I think one of the big solar wells, like now that my gears are turning a bit, um, was the owner of Mahas. So, uh, Mahas is an Egyptian restaurant. Yeah. Um, kind of like in the Danforth area. Yeah. It's and... kind of been blown
0: up recently, right? Like, I feel like I've like all my friends have been posting like in the past six months, I think I've seen on my Instagram feed, like maybe like, 100 times oh wow yeah. yeah
1: it's it's i don't know how long it's been in toronto for i know it's been open like several years longer than covid yeah for sure at least um and it's a family-owned business as well um and i got in touch with like the, the matriarch uh her name is maha i think his last name is pronounced barsoom i might be completely butchering <laughs> it. and i got i got in touch with her and like you know, this was peak COVID. And so obviously my whole, when I had first thought of the idea was like to go in Mm -hmm. to the restaurant and actually like eat the food while we're talking about it Oh, and talking about the restaurant and like maybe have some type of video component or not. But because everything was during COVID, it just became reduced to an audio Mm -hmm. um, medium. And so, you know, I was chatting with her. I was like, and so she was like, Oh, like, do you want me to respond to your like questions over email? I was like no 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 like my you know I'd love to like t- talk about it over like a zoom call or, yeah like, you know how to like you know like use zoom and she's like oh well, like no like she, she's fairly older um I was like damn like can you get can you get someone to help you out? like your son
0: or like your nephew <laughs> yeah, or somebody exactly.
1: <laughs> um and she was like she's like oh like reach out to my like daughter maybe and I, I emailed her daughter a couple of times but never got a response and so yeah that I just gave up but like I think um, like the first time I ever had Egyptian food was at Mahaz, and like I've never been to Egypt. Yeah, I've watched Prince of Egypt. <laughs> I've I've seen uh, you know animated movies of what Egypt looks like. But uh, now, in all seriousness, I thought it would have been an amazing story. Just yeah, about what it's like to have grown up in Egypt and uh, moved to Toronto to start an Egyptian restaurant where there isn't in my in my opinion like Toronto doesn't have a huge egyptian scene but i could be completely wrong yeah but
0: um i think the only the only egyptian restaurant i've seen or like egyptian related restaurant was like the tuts it's like a small uh, yeah 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 yeah. yeah. and uh again no no shade to to them but it didn't yeah it it seemed a lot more casual and takeout. um yeah mahas has been on my list for a while i i haven't gotten around to it but i definitely have to yeah 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 but
1: i think that was um
0: one of the big silver whales that comes to
1: my mind and there are a couple others like really wanted to interview like um some cookie
0: places (laughs) i thought that would be cookie like Craig's.
1: uh not Craig's. i think there's a place called midnight cookies oh yeah it's Um, like
0: on uh college west right yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so i
1: reached out to them i thought that would have been really interesting because i think they were if i remember correctly they're owned by like like a, a couple like almost like a husband and wife and i don't know it's just such a fascinating topic like how do you open up a shop just based on entirely selling cookies and, yeah uh, who knows it would have been that interesting conversation i'm sure
0: it's too bad hopefully you know one day in the future gastronomy club resurgence in 2025 or something <laughs> we'll get we'll get another 10 episode season or something but uh, uh hopefully hopefully yeah that'd be sweet Um, I, that's all the questions I had. Do you have any questions? Anything that you wanted to talk about?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, as a fellow, you said amateur foodie as well. Like, I think um, I'd love to hear. Um, and I always, I always love hearing like what are what are people's like favorite dining experiences? Maybe not just in Toronto, but like the fav- their favorite place they ever been to that like blew them away. I don't know if you have a
0: specific uh, spot. I honestly, like I am ashamed to say I haven't been outside of Toronto too much. So a lot of my, my food experiences are based in the city. Um, best food experience. Actually one would have to be, um, uh, at a restaurant in Iceland. I was there for a five day trip. Um, Oh wow. I, I, I could probably find it. Um, but I forget what it was called. It basically Icelandic names are very weird. Yeah, there's like a there's like a D with like a cross in it, and then there's like a J somewhere, but <laughs> <laughs> missing yeah. vowels and. Uh, but right. um, it was that one was really memorable because it was my first time trying like, I guess proper game. Um, mm. And that was like kind of like a three course. Three course setup. It wasn't. It wasn't super high end, but everything in Iceland was expensive. So I was like, "Wow, yeah. this is gonna be a new experience." Um, I remember I had like um, whale, caribou meat, um, and uh, a couple other things. But uh, that one was really good, just because it felt like such like a new experience. Right. Um, I I think some for me, trying new things, um, ends up being the most memorable. Right. Hopefully because it's good, but uh, you know, often sometimes it's you know just because it's it's a new experience altogether um, that would probably have to be up there Dang. there's a place in LA called agashi kopchang <laughs> okay, which it's is a, a Korean cream spot bar- <laughs> it's a cream barbecue spot everyone knows about it in the area i think but yeah that one is a um, they just they specialize in just cream barbecue for like the like the organs wow. like it's just large intestine small intestine different types of intestines and that's basically Dang. all they do and it is so good <laughs> um
1: that sounds amazing
0: yeah um and I guess one in Toronto it's not like a. it I, I again it'd be tough to say it's like the best food experience I've had but um I've you know the whole Ossington area has like these really nice you know it's got like the wine bars like Cote de Boeuf um all yeah, like yeah, yeah. the the Han Brothers restaurants that are, have had, you know, classics, right? Um, yeah. I, I don't. It's tough to pick one, but just all of those in the area would have to be like, you know, I, lo- I love spending a night out in that area, and just having some good drink and some good snacks. Um, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Ah, uh, <laughs> no, that sounds so good. Just listening to it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Actually, <laughs> I wish I was there right now. <laughs> this no, this sure.
0: year. Um. Okay. I made it. Uh, this is a, you were talking about the the Netflix series, uh, Chef's uh, What is it? Chef's Table. Chef's Table, yeah. But um, I've been watching, you know, the Munchies YouTube channel. Yeah, they have the series called Chef's Night Out, which has been like my go-to YouTube series for the past like six years. Mm. It basically they highlight uh, a restaurant, and then they'll basically pay for the re- the chef and like the owner or whoever to like go out to their favorite spots in the area, and they'll basically just pay for their night out, and they'll just get shit-faced and eat, you know, a ton of good food. And so since right, right, then, right. I've been like, I need to just do that in toronto a month ago you need someone to
1: pay you to eat out
0: yeah unfortunately (laughs) munchies didn't reach out to me yet so i had to pay out of my own pocket but yeah just doing (laughs) that you know if there's any listeners who maybe feels like they haven't ventured out or you know tried enough of the toronto food scene i'd say you know just go and just get just get a drink get a snack at like a bunch of different spots and just just try it all out um you know COVID is kind of coming to an end but i I don't think supporting small businesses and local restaurants ever is a bad thing um so i would definitely encourage any listeners who are on the edge to just to you know take that jump and just commit to it just do it
1: ozing ozington is a great place to do that as well like it's a
0: good place to start for sure
1: yeah yeah Yeah. um go just like on that topic of like how how new cuisines and new experiences are like something that always like are like the most memorable is there a cuisine that you would like to try like one day that
0: you haven't tried yet? Um, Hmm. I feel like, I feel like I've dabbled a lot, but Mm. I feel like I haven't gotten like a good, like a good full experience or like experience, like the breadth or the depth in a lot of cuisines, specifically a lot of European cuisines, um, like Portuguese food, Spanish food, you know, there's a lot of tapas places, but um, you know, how many places in Toronto are, are serving out like authentic spanish dishes i think there's like a couple paella spots um but you know those kinds of restaurants i haven't had too many experiences same with like greek food yeah yeah, that's fair you know everyone's had souvlaki and and gyros and all that but having like authentic uh greek you know plates with like the the grilled seafood and right and like the fresh salads and the olives and all that um
1: Greek salads are on another level. They're, like, so good. Yeah, and,
0: like, not just the ones that are covered in feta. You know, I love feta, but, like, you can't just sprinkle (laughs) feta on shit and call it Greek. Right, right, (laughs) right. Also, like, a lot of Middle Eastern restaurants. Like, I don't think I've ever tried, like, authentic Turkish food um okay yeah, yeah.
1: yeah I don't think, like i've had like turkish delights but i don't think I've yeah. had, I've had the <laughs> turkish food as well yeah
0: like everyone everyone's had shawarma you know israeli food is starting to kind of have like a a bit of like a a trend but yeah i think there's a lot of uh cuisines in between that that i haven't really had yeah. the opportunity to try but um yeah if, if you have any spots to recommend i would i would love to get a list from you and if any listeners have any suggestions you know please let let me know for sure
1: definitely definitely
0: Perfect. Well, I mean, before we wrap things up, typically what we like to do here is just like a quick rapid fire question for you. Um, just really quick. First thing that comes to your mind. Um, Oh man. Okay. The first one might be a little bit tough, but what's like your favorite underrated restaurant in the city specifically underrated. Oh, that's so tough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, underrated
1: maybe it's overrated. <laughs> but I think it's underrated. That's fine. I too. think Chosenok's my favorite underrated spot.
0: Chosenok, yeah,
1: it's like it's a classic.
0: You can't go wrong with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it gets enough love because I've been hanging out with a lot more downtown people, and
0: they just go to like Blor, like Christian Blor, and I'm like, nah, you gotta go to Chosenok. <laughs> <laughs> as a as a fellow downtown person, the reason we do that is because Chosenok's way too far, and it's off the subway okay, line, so far. you can't. You can't, right? <laughs> it is far. What's your uh what's your go to dish when you go there? Oh
1: man, I love the curvy tongue. Like yeah. That's that and then when it, when it's the summer, you know, you gotta get the moon
0: The ning of course, bro. All right, next question. If you could only have one, which would it be? Garlic or butter? Garlic. Butter can
1: get out of here. I'm not Yo I'm not about the trans fats. Italian <laughs> and French
0: people are rolling in the audience right now. <laughs> garlic. Yeah, that's safe. That's safe.
1: I, I think it's the Asian in me.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't have proper Korean or Chinese cuisine without garlic. Like, it's impossible.
1: No, for sure. Yeah, and, and when you step in a house, like you smell garlic, like it just like even if the meal is not that good, like, <laughs> at least there's garlic in it. Yeah, like if you. I guess the same goes with butter. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, it's true. But if you like, um, if you've ever walked into like a like a an Indian family's house when they're cooking and you get hit with that garlic ginger paste Ooh. going in the pan. It covers all your clothes and you smell like, you know, garlic ginger paste for weeks, but you got to love it. For sure. All right. Next one. What's your favorite song that always puts you in a good mood?
1: Favorite song. Oh, man. Uh, I do love music. Um, I don't know why, but the first song that comes into my head, maybe it's because I mentioned Frank Ocean earlier, but Lost by Frank Ocean.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, and the last one is, what is your one guilty pleasure, food-related or not? Um, guilty
1: pleasure? Um, yeah.
0: Like, you know it's wrong. I know it's wrong, but, it but it feels so, so right.
1: right. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Korean fried chicken and beer, probably. It's food-related, but, like, that's, like, the biggest, guiltiest pleasure I have. Like, I'm not a big sweets guy. Like, yeah. uh, you know, chocolate, I don't really... I, mean, I like pastries a lot, but... Mm-hmm. Like if there's something i could eat like consistently and like it, it would consistently feel good and hit this spot it's cream fried chicken with beer and like yeah moo and like
0: chef's kiss like perfection <laughs> honestly like on a friday night after a long week chimek oh like it hits different so
1: good so good
0: follow-up question what's the best korean chicken spot in toronto
1: okay I, I guess my answer i don't think is the fan favorite but i really love the fry
0: oh my okay that concludes our episode thanks again for tuning in and uh the fry i mean no, again if the owner of the fry is listening i'm sorry but like, i love it i love the fry it's like it's the first one that came but i gotta respectfully disagree with you wait what's your favorite um i personally think kate the bbq chicken
1: so okay yeah so People have told me that, and I went to BBQ chicken the other day, and I'll, yeah, nah, the fries is better.
0: All right, the fry I mean, just is better. Agree <laughs> to disagree, but uh, disagree. yeah, honestly, I, I, you know, favorites aside, it, you know, I'm just glad to see that there's so many, so many of them. You can get Korean chicken at any corner of downtown now, which sure. is, uh, which is great.
1: No, definitely, and uh, I think more people should be eating it. It's great food, great food. <laughs> Good for the soul. If you're having a bad day. Just yeah. best pick me feel up
0: alright so that concludes uh, today's episode um, you know Matt I want to thank you again for coming on and uh, sharing your story a little bit um, and yeah hopefully uh, fingers crossed hopefully we'll see and hear from you uh, at the gastronomy club again soon
1: for sure man hopefully uh, one day yeah definitely would love to pick it up again
0: uh, I don't know if you want to plug anything like your personal or your business or anything like that. But, uh,
1: yeah. If, uh, if you want to check out my podcast, um, and if you're looking for some food inspiration or maybe just a spot to hit up on date night or hanging out with some friends, go check out, uh, the gastronomy club on any podcast provider, Spotify, Apple podcasts, whatever the other ones are. And uh, (laughs) yeah, hopefully you guys have, or if you could do go to any of the spots, Uh, I'm sure you will not be disappointed.
0: Yeah. If you need date spots, just DM him at the gastronomy club on Instagram.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
0: All right. Um, Yeah. And uh, for the young and Finch podcast, you can find us on Instagram at the young and Finch. And similar to the gastronomy club, you can find all of our old episodes on, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, uh, Spotify podcasts. Uh, Don't forget to give us a uh, a review in the Apple store and follow us on Spotify if you enjoy what you're listening to. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace Frank Ocean guy. Eh?
1: Yeah, i I like to dabble in some Frank Ocean. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I respect uh, Frank Ocean a lot. Um, Yeah, Yeah. hopefully drop some of their albums soon.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed for that. But again, I'm not holding my breath. (laughs)
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah.